All right. Hey, I just want to encourage you to maybe invite some people in the coming weeks as we go through this series. Um, our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. That's not just our mission as a church. That is the mission of every church. That is the mission of every Christian, whether they realize it or not. And they might say it differently. They might say more people, more like Jesus. They might, you know, say, you know, great commandment, great commission, Christian, whatever, however they might describe it. What God wants and his plan to change this world is to have people accept Jesus as their savior and their forgiver and then also follow him as their leader and Lord. And, and that, people doing that is the answer to almost every problem on earth. And so, so that's our mission, to make more and better disciples of Jesus. But we have, we have a doctrinal statement that says some things that we believe the Bible teaches that are important. And then we also have five core values, and they are displayed out in the lobby right now. Um, things like uh, everyone has a next step. These are biblical principles, saved people, served people, that, that we all need to put into practice in our own lives. And so we're going to go over all five of those core values over the next, this week and the next four Sundays. And this is the first one, we give because he gave. So we had five different artists in the church put these different paintings together. If you look at these and say, I could do that, you should. <laughs> and come talk to me. Um, I, I think there's something about, you know, the written word of God is powerful, most powerful thing um, we can interact with. Um, but then even beyond that, you know, a spoken word about God's words, what I do on Sunday morning, that's important way to communicate truth and that's powerful. But then the music, to, to sing about what God's word says and to put it to music, there's a power and a difference in that. And I think there is there is a truth and, and a significance and a power to visual art as well that, that I think God can use in a really powerful way. So um, this is us. Uh, today we're going to talk about this, uh, this core value we give because he gave. And it comes out of 1 John. Um, well, it comes out of all sorts of places in the Bible. But um, this is the one place we're going to look at today. 1 John 3.16. This is different than John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world. But um, very similar about love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And he's talking about brothers and sisters. He's talking about other believers is what he's talking about there. And so this is John writing this. John was one of, Jesus had the 12, and then even outside of the 12, he had a group of 70 disciples at times that he sent out. But inside the 12, there were three disciples that he was especially close to that he would take aside to pray with, just the three of them, that he would, he would take aside to teach in a, in a deeper way, James, uh, Peter, and John. And, and of those three, John was perhaps the closest of all the disciples to Jesus. And as you read what John writes about, um, he, he writes a lot about love. And, and here he's telling us what love is. This is not the Hollywood version of love. It's not the Shakespeare version. It's definitely not the high school version of love or, or Valentine's Day. He's saying this is what, this is the greatest personification, the greatest example of love, Jesus Christ giving his life, laying down his life for us. And if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that means we follow what he does, we do what he does, and that means we need to lay down our lives. But that doesn't happen very often. In fact, you can only do that once, <laughs> right? And then you can't do that again. 
And in our culture, and I think we need to prepare ourselves, especially those who are younger than me, we need to prepare ourselves to being willing to make sacrifices and even to die for our faith. But um, he goes on to talk a little bit more about this um, because, you know, how do we know we're following Jesus short of dying for him? Because then after we've died for him, then we're in heaven and we know. Um, So he says, so if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So he's saying, love, the greatest act of love is dying for someone else. We need to be willing to do that. But, but here's another way to see if you have the love of Jesus Christ in you. If you see someone who has a physical need, a financial need, um, you help them. In fact, this is a rhetorical question. How can the love of God be in that person? Basically, the answer is it, is, it can't be. You don't have God's love if you aren't generous and giving to others. Um, That's what he's talking about. In fact, um, I meant to say this later, but I'm going to say it now. Um, This is not a sermon about giving to the church. Okay, that's great. I give to the church. This is a sermon about giving to people in need. Okay, and we need to be a congregation, a spiritual family that looks out for each other. And then that looks out for people, even in the community, that, that aren't following Jesus Christ and say, we want to help. We have the director of interfaith giving me a two thumbs up. <laughs> what a great organization. And, you know, if you don't know, you're like, you like live in this ritzy neighborhood like I do, you know, <laughs> if you know where I live. Anyway, but if you're like, I don't know anybody who has needs, uh, go to interfaith and say, I don't know anybody who has needs. Can, 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 you, can you take this money and give to someone in need? And they will take your money. And they will give it to someone in need. Um, But that's what he's talking about. He's saying, man, we need to be generous. Here's the the point. There's two points this morning. This is the first one. My love for God is tested through generosity to people. That's how you know you have the love of God in you is if you show it by, number one, dying for someone, but that, that only happened once at most. Or number two, by giving generously to those who are in need. And, and th- this, is, this is an important test because, I, first of all, I have a confession to make to all of you. Some of you know this. Others of you, this, you know, confession time. When does the pastor get to confess, you know? I am not a runner. I love running. I talk about running. I get inspired to run. Fourth of July was awesome, seeing hundreds of runners out there. I'm like, man, this is so cool to watch them run. <laughs> I enjoy watching people run, sprinting, you know, not, not marathons. Those are boring. Um, two hours of the same thing. Like, it's just, but, you know, I, and, I, and, you know, I, I would even say that God has made me with an ability to run. But, but here's the reason why I'm not a runner. I don't do it, right? I, I'm, I'm actually this summer getting ready to coach soccer. Junior high soccer starts Monday. So I'm like, I need to get in shape. And so, you know, 4th of July came and went, hadn't done anything. And so I've run, I think, about one and a half times every week since the middle of July to get in shape for those junior hires. And, um, and I've never run in my whole life, I've never run more than four months in a row, at the most three days a week, and then I quit, you know. And, and so it, it, it doesn't matter what your intentions are and what you feel like, and what, you, what, what matters 
is what you actually do. And your love for God is tested through your actual generosity to people. People who do big things on the big day are willing to do the little things every day. Um, in fact, I have a quote on my desk. It is not the will to win that is important. Um, everybody has that. It is, it is the will to, to do your, I forget how it goes now. It's, it's basically doing your best in practice. That's what people don't have. You know, you get in a game and you just put it all out on the line. But in practice, do you put it all out on the line? And it's, it's those little things that really make the difference. I, I, I love reading about, you know, incredible people that do incredible things. I read a book a number of years ago called Lone Survivor. And it was made into a movie. And the book is amazing because it not only chronicles the story of this Navy SEAL and just a terrible situation he was put in in Afghanistan and, and the other men who, who valiantly died with him and for him. And, but it talks about the training and, and becoming a Navy SEAL. They have 71 weeks of training. And Marcus Luttrell, I think, is his name. And, and he, he talks about even before he went into the Navy SEAL training, he found a Navy SEAL who would train him for the training. You know, and he spent years of his life, and this was a goal that he had as a young man. He's like, this is what I want to become. And so every day exercising and, and going through difficult things, and then the, the Navy SEAL training, I mean, extreme cold, extreme sleep deprivation, extreme pain. He broke his leg. In, in the training camp, they, they broke his leg. It was so tough that his leg broke. They put him in the hospital. They helped him recover. A couple months later, he's back doing the same crazy stuff. And, and, and people who do the big things on the big days, they do the little things every day. The kind of person who's radically generous will first be regularly generous. Here's the thing I was thinking about this. Giving my life for someone versus giving maybe my time for someone or, or giving my money to someone in need. I was thinking, which would be harder? It's a different kind of hard. I would take a bullet for almost everyone here. I won't say the one or two that I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's quick, it's one time, and, and it's a noble, I got to die anyway, Right? And, and I really, I really, I would rather die that way for someone in a meaningful way than to eventually be, have Alzheimer's, be out of my mind and cussing at any of you who come to visit me, you know, like I, I'd rather go out like in a ball of flame, like dying for someone or something significant for Jesus Christ to go, to give my life that and so I, I would, if now if it's crucifixion or some incredibly torturous death, that, low, that makes the list a little bit smaller, you know, who I'd be willing to do that for. But again, it's a one-time thing. It's a big, noble thing. But then to give my life the little sacrifices in generosity to help somebody move, to, you know, go visit someone and be a listening ear and Maybe take them out for breakfast or lunch because they're just going through something so, so difficult in their lives. To make time and space for people. Like that's, that's a different thing because nobody sees it. It's boring. And, and it's over and over and over and over again. Not just a one-time decision. And so there is a different kind of hard to each kind of gift and giving. 
but Jesus did them both. He spent his life in serving and sacrificing for other people, right? I mean, he was so tired. The one story about how he, he went out on a boat with the disciples and there was this storm and he was asleep in the stern. This was not a cruise ship. I mean, this was probably a little 20-some foot boat with, you know, 12, 13 guys in it and, and he's asleep in a storm? How could he do that? He must have pushed his body to the breaking point, serving people, spending time with people, giving, giving, giving. And then he also gave his life the, the big decision at the end. So we need to, we need to do this um, ourselves as believers to be, in fact, if I, were to, if I were to guess, if I were to have to choose, who's going to, you, you need to choose who would give their life for you. You know who I choose? Someone who is already being generous on a regular basis and, and giving of their life uh, to others. Um, he goes on, the next verse here, he says, he kind of doubles down on this principle. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Uh, again, you know, we judge other people by their actions. What else could we judge them on? but we judge ourselves by our intentions. <laughs> and there's very many times where I intend to be generous. I think generous thoughts. I even feel generous. Have you ever played through a scenario like that? Man, I could pay for their mortgage payment. Oh, that couple, that would thrill them. That would be so cool. They would, they would really, you know, love that. And oh, it kind of warms my heart to think about that. Oh, well. <laughs> Moving on, and, and I don't do it. In fact, um, a number of years ago, I was reading the, about the tithe in the Old Testament and uh, didn't realize I had read something in a book. I'm like, what? I thought there was one tithe. Tithe means 10%, giving away 10% of your money. But in the Old Testament, there's, there's more than one tithe. There's either two or three. And just for simplicity, I'll say there's two. The one was the tithe to the local priests or to the temple. 10% of everything these dirt poor farmers earned, these are people who had dirt floors, no running water, no electricity, lived, you know, hand to mouth many times, and, and they were to give 10% of their money to the, to the priests locally or to the temple. And, but every three years, they were to give another tithe, another 10% to the poor in their community. So three and a third percent every year they would give to the poor. And I thought in my life, okay, so we give the 10% or more to our local congregation and what God is doing here, um, but do we give three and a third percent at least to people in financial need? And, and my answer was no, we don't. So a number of years ago, Becky and I you know, determined we need to do that. And so we, we sponsor children through um, Food for the Hungry in Guatemala. That's something our church, in fact, we talked about this, uh, I think it was last week. Um, we ran out of them in the second service, but we have some of these at the Welcome Center. If you're watching online, um, there's some of these. You can click on a link in the chat to give you a, an electronic version of this. Ten, ten different ministries we support as a church. We've done our homework on them. They, we've, we've met with them individually many times or vetted their organizations, and we go and visit. And, and so if you're looking for people to support, this is a great list to, to, 
to get from. And so Food for the Hungry, we gave for them. And then also there's a ministry we support also as a church uh, in India. And um, I, I've, I've seen the dorms of these students in Kerala Bible College in India. I've, I've seen how they live, and I'm telling you they're poor. <laughs> they might not think of themselves as poor, but I don't see, I, I've, I've seen some really rough places in America, but nothing like what some of these people live in. And, um, and yet they're just committed to Christ, and they're saying, I want to go back to my village and, and tell them about Jesus or I can't go back to my village because they'll kill me or hurt my parents, um, but I want to go back to another village nearby and tell them about Jesus. And um, just, just to be a part. So, and, and maybe it's through, through interfaith. Maybe it's through, maybe, it's, maybe you know people. And, and I would say it's great if you're helping your family. Let's think beyond your physical family. Let's think beyond, yeah, I give all the time. I give most of my money to my wife. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that may be true, um, but let's, let's think beyond me and mine and, and to be generous toward, toward others that we have no reason to be generous to except that I have the love of Jesus in me and I want to I wanna help others. In fact, we want to not just do that ourselves as grown-ups here, and we have some kids as well, but we are, we are challenging the kids in the USS Bridgewater program um, so if they're in pre-K, they probably won't hear about this, but kindergarten through fifth grade, we're challenging them. We're going to do uh, something called um, shoe boxes. Um, Christmas, what is it? Operation Christmas Child. They basically fill a shoe box with uh, a toy, some clothes, some school supplies, things like that. And uh, then through Samaritan's Purse, they ship these to places all over the world to, to kids that really have very, very little. And in the name of Jesus, they say, man, we want to bless you um, be, uh, on Chris, at Christmas time. They do this. And so we're beginning to collect these uh, starting this Sunday. And then we'll have a packing party at some point. And then early November is when they have to all be together. And we send them out uh, to Samaritan's Purse. And then they ship them to places all over the world. Sometimes I've heard some people have done this. And they get notes back from the kid that opened them. And so you find out, man, my gift went to Bulgaria or, you know, my gift went to Venezuela or, or wherever. And it's just, it's just a really neat way, again, to be generous and to teach our kids to be generous. So if you're a parent, when you're picking up your kids, they will have sheets there about different, they, they have different items they recommend that you kind of, kinds of things that you buy, um, that you could buy for them. There's certain things they don't want you to get for them. Um, don't, don't buy them, you know, a jackknife. Okay, that's not, that's not cool. Okay, not going to ship those. But, um, and, and if you don't have kids, you can go to the Welcome Center. We have a stack of, of, of them there, just flyers that you could take. Uh, just another way to, to be generous. Um, my generosity is, um, is tested through action, through actually doing something. Um, so I want to I want to just close with this. Um, it's just to to just explain again, and many of you know this, just how Jesus and why Jesus gave His life for us. So back back in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, you know, Adam and Eve and God, they were like best buds. Things were wonderful, but that's not the way things are now. You know, now there is this chasm between us and God called sin. 
fact, if you know this uh, story, many, most of you probably do, this is a great uh, primer for how to share the gospel with someone else. This is the good news. If you're in a restaurant, you can take a napkin and draw this out. Um, you don't have to be this kind of artist to do this kind of art. <laughs> this is my level. All right. And um, so this chasm here, it doesn't look far in this illustration, but it is. It's like the Grand Canyon. And some people are, are pretty moral. They're pretty good. And, and maybe they're getting a run in Head Start, and they can jump this Olympic 30-foot jump. But it's the Grand Canyon. Uh, you could morally jump 30 feet or morally jump one feet. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and they fall short of the glory of God. None of us reach the glory and holiness of God. None of us are good enough. And so that's why Jesus Christ came to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins, that we would ask him, God, please forgive me. I've met a number of people who, who will say, yes, I want Jesus to forgive me, but before he does that, I need to clean up my life a little bit. I, I need to at least have something presentable to him. And, and that's not the way it works. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you're jumping one foot or if you're jumping 30 feet, either way, Jesus isn't impressed. It's, it's a, it's a three-mile canyon, you know, and, and you just need to humble yourself and say, you know what, I'm not good enough, I'm not presentable, and, and I need a Savior. I need someone to forgive me and to pay for my sins so that I don't have to. And that's what Jesus came to do. And so then Romans 6.23 says, um, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus died so that we could be reunited with God. So how do you do that? How do you move from here to there? Because even though Jesus died for everyone, not everyone accepts that gift. How do you accept that gift? And that's Romans 10.9. The whole first 10 chapters of Romans is one really long gospel, good news presentation Paul makes about, about our, our state as human beings, what Jesus did for us, and then how we can be reunited and united with God. And so we do that, Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so little Jackson up here. I'm going to call him Little Jackson because like in three years, he'll be taller than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Little Jackson up here. There came that place in his life when he was taking a walk with his mom and, and he made that decision. I'm going to make Jesus not only my Savior to forgive my sins, but my Lord and Master, my, my God, my King. Um, and that's the decision all of us have to do. He gave his life, and I, and I hope you've accepted that gift. And if you have, then, then we should give in the same way that Jesus did. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just, uh, <clears throat> I just thank you for the extra that you've given us. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, just open our eyes, maybe to someone who's in need around us, Maybe, maybe someone who, uh, maybe an organization that we can give to, to just reflect the generosity of Jesus Christ. And maybe there's someone here who's 
not able financially. They're drinking water and eating oatmeal and, and they have nothing extra. And God, I ask that you would just help us also to give of our time, to be willing to, to give four hours of our life to someone on a Saturday or in an evening to, to just give someone a call and to reach out in love and to give because Jesus gave so much to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.